Good morning. On this Sunday morning, welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. We left off yesterday talking about celebration, how one feast just actually just rolled into the other and the other, and of course, uh, the other. Uh, you had the counting of the omers uh, for the 50th day. You had the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits. All of this taking place, it was a great time of celebration. It was supposed to be a great time of joy. So we're going to continue looking at the names of the feast and the significance and the meaning of some of these. There are quite a number of points that I want to get to this coming week. And hopefully we'll have a chance to get into them uh, actually that early. And if not, then the following week. And one of those is we want to talk about when uh, the church was literally uh, born and grafted in into God's plan uh, for for every individual. Of course, uh, the scripture does talk about Israel being the true olive tree and how the branch of that olive tree was cut off and we were grafted in and then they're going to be grafted back in at one point. And you may say, well, why is that so important? There's actually some prophecies in the scripture concerning this. And uh, having an understanding of it helps us understand a little bit more about the future that awaits us, especially during the time of the millennium. Well, anyway, getting back to today's uh, subject and topic. In the book of Numbers, in chapter 28, in verse number 26, one of the other names that was given to the feast of or the day of Pentecost or the feast of weeks was the day of first fruits. As we read it, it says also in the day of first fruits, when you bring a new meat offering unto the Lord after your weeks be out, you shall have a holy convocation. And remember, we talked about that and we mentioned that. You're going to have a special meeting. You're going to have a special uh, uh, assembly. And that was where the the men, all the males, actually got together on three different occasions. But that word in itself is actually really interesting. The word uh, convocation means called out. A public meeting. Uh, it was a rehearsal an assembly. Uh, it was a, a reading, a time for reading something like when they read the the Torah during the time of Moses uh, from two different hills. So, so this is all involved in that one word. But also, we're going to find out that this word uh, called out also is going to be ecclesia in the New Testament, which means the assembly, the called out ones. Egypt was the taskmaster of Israel until God called them out into freedom. We are going to be called out uh, when we come to Christ into freedom too. Each and every one of us, we're freed from the bondages of sin. We're freed from the taskmaster of Satan. And we are actually called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this is a very special word. You are going to have a holy assembly, a holy convocation, a holy time of rehearsing, whether it's testimonies, uh, 
whether it's God's miraculous uh, holy time of reading uh, what the Word of God says, a holy time of gathering together to receive uh, instruction, a rehearsal. They usually talk like about a play when they're having some type of a play somewhere. They talk about a dress rehearsal. That means it is kind of like the the pre to the thing that is going to take place. We are having a pre-rehearsal in our Christian walk of what awaits us. Uh, one time someone said, I'm not sure if it was uh, uh, that author. Uh, <clears throat> I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But that we're all actors and the world is the stage. I believe it was, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, William something. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. Well, anyway, uh, this is actually a very powerful concept and a very powerful thought there. Uh, You shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no work, uh, no service, uh, no work whatsoever. These holy convocations were also known as Sabbath. Not your regular seven-day Sabbath on Saturday, but it was also known as a Sabbath. Then we go to another scripture in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 16. It says, And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering. So it's called the feast of harvest. Why is it called the feast of harvest? Because the harvest of barley is finishing. And the harvest of wheat is starting. So it was actually the ending of one and the beginning of another harvest. The first fruits of thy labors. In other words, uh, the wheat harvest for summer was very different than the barley harvest for spring. Therefore, it's the first fruits of thy labors. Or another name that was given to it, it was actually the second first fruits. Kind of sounds strange, but that's exactly what it was called. The first fruits of thy labor, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering. Now, the feast of ingathering, which is at the end of the year, we're talking about autumn, uh, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Now, this one's an interesting one because this is actually also called the Feast of Tabernacles. This is one of the other feasts that we're going to be talking about. And this is one of the feasts that was required, mandatory, of all the male Jews to attend. Now, why is this such an important feast? Because the Feast of Tabernacles represents the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. It represents that time... When the harvest is coming in, all that's left, all the rest, everything that is still left over, that hasn't come in. And all of a sudden, the millennium is going to begin. And during that time, Christ sets up his reign. David reigns in Jerusalem over Israel. You have the 12 apostles ruling with Christ. You have the saints ruling with Christ over the nations of the world. No more politics like today. 
but it will be what the commander and chief Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, says. That is what's going to go. He will bring a peace and a prosperity to the entire planet, unlike anything that has ever been known. Well, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, we'll be talking about the Feast of Tabernacles when we get to it. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, in verse 1 and 2, and then verse 8, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they all gathered with one accord in one place. And suddenly, verse number 2, there came the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse number 8. And then it says, And they said, And how is it that we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now, in the Tower of Babel, during the time in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 and 7, the people were all of one language. By the time you get to verse 7, God confounded their languages and all the different languages of the earth. They were spread out, no more being able to be one language. But here, all of a sudden, when they were speaking in tongues, everyone from all those different nations was able to hear them in their own language. So once again, the, the day of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, its fulfillment in the New Testament, the promise of the Holy Spirit coming by Jesus and being sent by the Heavenly Father, all of this on the day of Pentecost. I mean, we have such an overload of activity, of fulfillment, uh, of of shadows and types and things that were happening that it's taken us a while just to be able to cover all that was taking place. And as I mentioned before, the church is literally grafted into the olive tree, which is the nation of Israel. Israel is going to be cut off in 70 AD. And for 2,000 years plus, the rule of the Gentiles is what's going to rule over the planet but then one day, on the Day of Atonement, and that's another of the feasts, they will look unto him whom they have pierced, and they will recognize that Jesus is their Savior. The entire nation will be born again in one day. Of course, that's when Jesus comes back during the time of the Battle of Armageddon to rescue and to deliver the nation from all destruction. But, like I said, that's another of the feasts that we're going to be talking about, and we will get to it. Now, reading in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, the whole earth was one language and of one speech. Verse number 7, and then it says, Go to and let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse number 9, Therefore is the name called Babel, because the Lord did confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. So that's another interesting thing there that took place. God restoring, be able to go to a different country, and if you're preaching or speaking or saying something, a person from that language may not understand your language, 
But through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of a the sudden they can understand what you're saying. And of course, uh, that's not uh, the time nor the place right now for that. But that is a partial understanding of what took place on the day of Pentecost. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 13, it says, And you shall count unto you from the morrow, after the Sabbath, from the day that you were brought, that you brought the sheave of the wave offering, seven Sabbath shall be completed. And of course, that's what we've mentioned before. The day after 49 days, after having counted seven weeks of seven days, on the following day is the 50th day, which was or is Pentecost. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, you shall number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. And that's one thing that we've not talked about. The offerings that were to be brought during that time. No one was supposed to come empty-handed during these feasts that God had uh, uh, commanded the, the males to assemble and gather themselves. They were supposed to bring something. Deuteronomy 6, 9. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such a time as thou beginnest to put your sickle to the corn. In other words, from the day that you start the harvest, on that day you begin to. And of course, it was uh, the Feast of First Fruits that they began in spring to bring in. In verse number 10, it says... And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord your God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And then, of course, there are other feasts that are mentioned of Pentecost. In other words, Paul and the disciples does not stop having these feasts. They still celebrated them after being Christians. It says in Acts 20 verse 16, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible, for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And of course, this is many years after he had, uh, or after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. It says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. So in these two verses alone, we see that even though time had passed by from the time that Paul had gotten saved and the time that the day of Pentecost had been fulfilled and the Holy Spirit came, Paul was still celebrating the day of Pentecost because these feasts were supposed to be eternal for Israel. And of course, their symbolism and their shadows and their types they still have a lot to show us. So there's things there that you just cannot throw out and say, well, that's no longer necessary. Everything that is in the scripture, every dot, every tittle is important and shall not pass away until God has fulfilled everything that he has said. And that's going to be a long, long time. Well, thank you for being with us until we meet again on Monday morning. The Lord richly bless you. Keep looking up. Your redemption draweth nigh. In Jesus' name, amen.